If you've ever wondered about what goes on behind the scenes at restaurants, then you're in the right place. This podcast takes you inside the minds of restaurant owners, chefs, bartenders, servers, basically anyone who has anything to do with food, drink, or hospitality. I'm Brady Vixilio, owner of Steinhobel's Restaurant and La Bella Italia on Alaskan Road in Virginia Beach. Welcome to the Czech Podcast. And I'm Alvin Williams, co-host of The Check and owner of Cobalt Grow Restaurant in Hilltop, Virginia Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We'll be talking about restaurants, people who work in restaurants, who own restaurants, and the people who like to dine in restaurants. Brady, often, you know, we get to talk about um, who we work with and our partners. And I know your your mom's your partner, Jeannie, and she's awesome. And for the most part, you get along, I think. It's amazing how well I do get along with my mom. We have a relationship that... Is a mother son, of course, and she's also kind of my buddy, and we we get along really well in the business, and we laugh together, and we we drink together. But at the end of the day, she gets the the last word because she's your mom, so she's always yeah, right. Yeah, we're technically fifty fifty partners. <laughs> it doesn't exactly work that way. She may not go to as many battles as me, but I don't think that she ever loses them. Yeah, Brady, you got a great partnership with your mom. I also uh, have a great business partnership with Gary Black, who is a co-owner over at Cobalt Grill Restaurant in Virginia Beach. Yeah, welcome, Gary. It's great to have you here on The Check today. Guys, thanks for having me here. This is, uh, this is I know it's going to be a lot of fun. We often get to speak to Brady about his uh, relationship and partnership with his mom and how they co-run their, their restaurants together. And um, I thought it'd be cool to have you here, so... You can tell everyone how wonderful I am. Well, I appreciate the invite, and I'll I'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary, how did you first connect with Alvin, and what led to your business partnership? Years ago, I had the Coyote Cafe on Twenty uh, Second Street at the Virginia Beach Oceanfront, and uh, Alvin would come in socially, and we knew each other from the restaurant business. And one day, he was telling me he was interested in uh, doing a restaurant, and so we talked about it for a bit, and then uh, we had a few meetings, and he asked me if I wanted to be a consultant. I said, yeah, yeah, we'll sit down, we'll talk. And then after a few more meetings, he asked me if I wanted to partner up. And I said, absolutely, I knew Cobalt Grill was going to be a winner. So at that time, Alvin, you were a chef at Les Board, or were you? So what exactly happened was I had pretty much just got here from England and was working at Le Chambord. And I just started, um, and I was kind of, uh, what do you call it, like a unicorn. I'm the only black French cooking English chef in Virginia Beach. And a couple of the girls that I was working with at uh, Le Chambord, uh, Jeanette and Awadif, Awadif Stivers, Gary, you know, who work, worked for us later and yoga instructor, great girl. Anyway, they would take me out to different restaurants and introduce me to people and restaurateurs. And one of them was Phil Decker and Cal at Crocs, and they were always very nice to me. And another one were the guys at The Raven, which I think has just closed after 50 years. Yeah, they just tore it down. Bobby and Ricky, yeah. Yep. And then they took me to your restaurant, Coyote. And every Thursday, I think he used to have, it was Tuesday or Thursday, he used to have these margarita specials. Oh, that was Thursday. That was Thursday, where you had this, this yellow cup. It's a great concept. You had the yellow cup with the coyote on there, and that was branding, which I didn't know nothing about branding back then. And I would just go there and get my yellow cup and get my margarita. I think it was two bucks for refills. And I would just stand and watch Gary 
in operation. And he'd be at the front door and he's greeting people and saying hi and, and he's checking the security and then he's watching his cooks and I'm just watching this guy and he's at the front door and I'm, I'm just in a corner, just kind of hanging. And I'm like, this guy knows what he's doing up front in the front of a restaurant. You know, I'm like, and I knew that that was the missing link that I didn't have when I was building Cobalt. You know, I had another business partner and he helped. We actually physically built it together. Actually, all three of us did. And, um, and I knew that I was great in the back of the house and my other partner was good in the office, but I needed that front of the house person. And I saw Gary and I thought, this is the guy that I need to ask. So one day I did. Gary, what are some of the ways that you compliment Alvin? Sounds like he's telling us that you were strong in the front of house and he was strong in the back of house. That's, that's our symbiotic relationship. He's, uh, yeah, he's amazing in the kitchen. I mean, great talent. Uh, just you know, his knowledge, his food knowledge is putting plates together. Just incredible. Um, and yeah, I, um, I take care of the front of house experience, uh, greeting customers, uh, taking care of the servers, the wait staff, bartenders, um, kind of some of the, um, some of the day-to-day operations too, you know, the mundane stuff that the, not the exciting stuff that, you know, insurance and <laughs> the stuff that I don't like to deal with <laughs> all <yeah>. the things. <laughs> Alvin's got the, you know, he's got the bigger vision for the, for the kitchen, for the food. And, you know, some, I get down to those, those little details that, uh, not the exciting stuff at the restaurant, but hey, it's got to be done. Gary, I know that the uh, the restaurant business is obviously in your blood, and it's been a lifelong passion for you. I think the first taste of the restaurant life for you was in your native Philadelphia, where your grandfather and, and your uncles operated the Mayfair Diner, which is one of the oldest diners in the country. Tell us about those early years and what made you want to get into the restaurant business? It was uh, my mom would take uh, me and my sister to the diner and, you know, my uncles, they were in the kitchen back of the house and we just see all the interaction with the customers and, you know, hear the stories and, you know, it was nonstop. It was just the the diner was open 24, seven, 365. And, you know, my cousins worked there my aunts, my uncles, my grandfather was there. So I just got a, just a really great feeling. The, The family dynamic was there and uh that was uh that was my kind of introduction into it it seems like you had a good opportunity to be part of that family business in philadelphia what brought you here to virginia beach well toward the end of my high school career you know you get ready looking at colleges and uh, this is this is pre-internet so i i got a a brochure you know a pamphlet uh from a college fair and it was uh, from uh, old dominion university on the cover of this pamphlet there was a sailboat and there was a beach and and I was like, "Hey, this 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 looks pretty cool." And it was just south of Philadelphia. It was you know, not that far away, uh, near the, on the ocean. And I just started learning how to surf on the Jersey Shore. So, oh yeah, they had a good business program too. So I decided to uh, apply in Old Dominion, and that was came down here in '81 and never left. Is that why you're always late for work? Because you're surfing in the mornings? And I can never get you on the phone in the mornings? Not always. Sorry, but we're not supposed to be talking about this. <laughs> most, of the, most of the time. If there's waves, you know, I'm going to be out there. So you've worn a lot of hats during your decades in restaurants. So you've been waiter, bartender, manager, and owner. What are some of the things you've enjoyed most about each of those roles? It's creating a, a great experience for the guests. It's, uh, you know they're going to be talking about these memories that come in for either just a, you know, a regular night of dining to get some great food or great drinks, or it could be a birthday or an anniversary, it could be a, you know, a wedding rehearsal, uh, rehearsal dinner, whatever. It's just, you know, creating these memories for these people for, for years and years to come. They're going to look back and say, Hey, you know, they're going to either maybe the, 
a, a taste of food or a smell or a, a sensation that they it'll bring them back and they'll and all these family members have gotten together and it's just uh, just really rewarding to to be able to be part of that and help create a uh, a great experience. What what do you think is most difficult? Is it being a server? Is it bartender? I mean, we know that all these positions are tough and and I mean down to the dishwasher in the back who the dishwashers I think are the backbone of the restaurant business we, we can't do it without them no question about that but i think as restaurateurs all of us brady you know as well that we need to know all the jobs in the restaurant i didn't i do now um i can i can host a little bit gary yeah. yes you can I, I, I can make a drink or a cocktail now but I, I didn't in the beginning when we started 20 years ago i didn't know those things i don't think expertise is really necessary in all the jobs but you have to understand each job and what what each job means. You got to you got to know what it is to wash dishes. You don't necessarily have to be the fastest dishwasher in the whole staff. You have to know what it means to wait on tables. You don't have to be a great waiter. And you have to know what it means to be a cook. You don't have to be a, a great cook. It helps if you are great at those <laughs> things though. The cross training is definitely uh, I I definitely agree with that that you know all aspects of the of the business. That's why I started in the dish pit and that was not my favorite spot but uh again now you know we realize that without competent help in the dish pit you're not going to run the restaurant right it's you're not going to have everything all the utensils you need the plates you need i actually like being in the dish pit i like washing dishes too <laughs> it's because you're in your own little space and you get to splash around with the water and and, then, and people need you you know they they need the glasses and they need the silverware so they kind of depend on you so you feel important and it's it's just fun i think it's a huge sense of accomplishment when all those dirty dishes come in and you make them clean. Yeah. And they go, and then you, you, your place is spotless, pick and span back to shiny again. It's the easiest, it's the easiest station to get dirty and the easiest station to get clean. I love it back there. Yeah, I do too. I think I need a little more interaction up front. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need some more time in the dish pit. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> Gary Coyote Cafe was the first restaurant you owned. What year did you start Coyote and how long did you run it? Actually, that was the second restaurant I was uh, a partner in. Um, the, the first one was, I want to say it was probably 86 or 7. It was called the Tidewater Campus Club, uh, TCCs. It was on Southland Haven Road. Um, just a little hole in the wall. It, it was it had an opportunity. It was a small part of it, but a managing owner. Um, and we used to book entertainment there. We would have... Wild Kingdom and Bone Shakers and Panic, just different bands. Uh, sold pizza and beer, and that was my first. Sounds like a great spot. It was it was a fun little spot. But after that, then I had the opportunity to partner up with Rick Maggard. He and Todd Jurek started the Coyote back in '89, and uh, Rick and I partnered up right after that. I added on the uh, the cantina section uh, to the building. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty good relationship for years and that's and then it built up and built up and became quite the uh, quite the spot when it was a block in virginia beach i remember it to be very popular the the days that you were on the block predated my drinking years yeah i, I get that a lot now <laughs> i've been doing this a long time and speaking of drinking i think uh all right lovely <laughs> yeah, that's what i'm talking about now we get refreshments we've got uh we got some beverages we've got some what oh. is this this is a smoked peach maple bourbon smash. Oh, wow. Fancy. Thank Gary, you. Gary likes bourbon, so perfect. Absolutely. So I, I was wondering when this was going to show up from the previous podcast. You know, you guys are clinking wine glasses, <laughs> you know, chowing down. And I'm just going, man, that, 
I need to get on that show. Gary, that coyote you were talking about with Rick, that was on the oceanfront, right? Was that 20? It was 22nd Street. Yeah. yeah. And then later on, you moved the coyote? Yes. Um, moved up to Alaskan Road um, back in uh, 96, 97. Then uh, partnered up with uh, Richie Boner and Andy Stein. The previous location, that's uh, Lunacy now? Is that where, the, where that was? Yes. Uh, actually, I had that ended up, I uh, was fortunate enough to be able to purchase that building and there was a couple of a uh, couple of spots were in there after i moved uh coyote we had uh what did we have we had mojo's voodoo grill we had uh, route 44 there was a few spots and then finally um colleen cunningham uh we worked out an arrangement are you still the landlord there no 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 sold the building to uh colleen and interesting how many restaurants come and go huh because then your your next spot was over on alaskan right so after that, it became what? After Coyote, Jack's Bistros. It, it was a, a prime, prime something steakhouse. Steakhouse, um, Metropolitan, Metropolitan oh, yeah. Oyster Bar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now Bay it's local. Now it's Bay Local. Your place uh, there on Twenty uh, Second Street was popular throughout the '90s, as well as down Alaskan Road. What are some of your more memorable stories of uh, of that tenure, particularly on the block where? Things can get a little wild and crazy. Yes. Um, well, it was a really small space for parking in the back. It wasn't truly, it was maybe you could fit five, six cars back there. And I would, at the time I would have doormen. It would, because it would get a little, little bar-like. Um, Alvin mentioned those, those margarita nights, that Thursday night. I mean, hundreds of people would come through and get those margaritas I guarantee you there's still thousands of cups in the Virginia Beach area that that with the logo and the brand on there. Oh, gosh, I would have, to, in order to get parking, enough parking for people, some of the doormen, I would have them go out and they would actually physically, maybe a small, you know, VW, they would have to pick it up and move it to create more space to park. Um, just just fun stuff like that. I mean, those margaritas, they, they created a lot of uh, interesting memories for, for a lot of people. Margaritas tend to um, sneak up on you a little bit. No question. So, Gary, you worked at a, a lot of places. I remember, well, La Brocha's a little bit before my time. So, La Brocha's the restaurant that my old owner, Frank Spapen and Louisa Spapen, before they opened up Le Chambord, which is where I first worked when I came here. So, you worked at La Broche and Sir Richard's Supper Club and Offshore Cafe. Were there any other places you worked before you owned your own spots? That was, that was pretty much it down here. Yeah, I learned uh, a lot from uh, Frank Spoppin with Ed LaBroche and, gosh, worked for Frank Bauman at Sir Richard's. Some great learning experiences. Tell me about Sir Richard's because I, I remember you telling me stories how there were, so you're older, so there were no, um, there were no <laughs> posi-touch systems where you could ring in the checks and you had to do everything either by hand or memory? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we used to, uh, we would have to memorize the entire table as, uh, as a server didn't matter how big or small the party was party of two or a party of 16 and you have to remember the whole order every everything from the entree the the appetizer the salad dressing the drink and couldn't write a thing down and then you know you dash to the wait station to, to, to jot it all down send it to the kitchen and yeah that was uh, interesting it's a lot different to now yeah i couldn't do that now for sure you had a pen and paper though I mean, they were available back then. Or was that 
But that predate the, the uh, ballpoint pen. <laughs> the, uh, we were not. Cap. We were not allowed to write a thing down. <laughs> you couldn't have it at the table. You, you could not. You couldn't. You're. Could not write a thing down. Yeah, I encourage I encourage servers to do that. I think that when you take a when you have to memorize uh, an order, you pay more attention and you pay more attention to your guests. So you get to get to know their needs a little bit better. You just spend that much more concentration with them. And I mean, I've always encouraged that. You know, we live in such a different world now, and and everything is in and out. And some people just aren't able to retain that information for the. Four minutes it takes. Could you you imagine doing that now for 16 people? And, you know, this one wants sauce on the side and this one's, you know, lactose intolerant and this one needs gluten free. And you got to remember all these people's different things. I mean, that's. And you watch your steak medium. Oh, no, I meant medium rare. Yeah. You got to go back and. And then they change their mind and then you got to, you can't leave the table and you're not writing it down. That's, that's some strong memory testing right there. As a follow up to that, how have you seen expectations of customers change over the years as it relates to food and the service and the atmosphere? Well, you have to offer uh, some some more options. I mean, the the restaurant pie has gotten a lot lot bigger now. Many more restaurants, gluten free options, vegetarian options. You've got to you've got to stay relevant and adapt with the times. The pie is, like I said, it's gotten a lot bigger. There are so many more options for guests to go out there and and pick and choose. And I think with the you know with the Food Network now and all the restaurant shows, the public has become a lot more discerning. And they expect a, a lot more, a higher level of food quality service than maybe than maybe they did back in the day. Gary, what are some of the specific things that you've seen uh, in the local restaurant scene evolve over the years? Like a Brady alluded to earlier, the uh, the technology um, is is probably the biggest factor. Typing in that the service can now you know, put every food order in instantaneously um, put all the options in there you can make notes you can have now notes for each of your guests the, your regular customers that come in over the years you can note their anniversaries their birthdays their their likes their dislikes that's a uh, that's a that's a big part of it now as the three of us know it can be super challenging to have a life outside of restaurants and normal people have weekends and our weekends are you know we're buried in our restaurants um, Gary I know you've got a great family and four kids I've enjoyed watching them all grow up what kind of things do you do when you're not at work to unwind and what do you do when you're hanging out with your family we do really love to hang out at the beach uh it's it's tough now to get all the kids together get a whole family together but we love hitting the beach and just hanging out surfing is definitely a passion of mine and travel with my wife sharice she gets a many kudos to her for uh keeping everybody together and it's difficult for for holidays for us and I will tell a quick story about when Sharice and I first started dating back in the day. <laughs> Valentine's Day was coming up, and it's uh, it's one of the busiest days of the restaurant business. So uh, I know she was all excited, and she's like, "Well, what are we what are we going to do for Valentine's Day?" I said, <laughs> "Well, honey, <laughs> um, we can meet after the restaurant. We can celebrate the day before, the day after, but uh, it's it's going to be impossible." I said, "You know, Valentine's Day is tough." New Year's Eve, tough. Mother's Day, tough. And that got to be pretty difficult uh, after having, you know, we got four kids together. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that was a challenge. Yeah, weekends weekends and holidays for us mean we work harder. Yeah, no question. I know. And now, Alvin, with you, with your one-year-old Penelope, you're going to be experiencing uh, all these things you watched me go through over the I know, but it's years. good because now it's kind of a role reversal. So <laughs> whereas I used to back you up all the time, now it's payback. Yep. <laughs> 
Gary, tell me a little bit about the personalities that you both have and how they go together. Alvin's back of the house skills are amazing. And, uh, he, he you know, runs that show back there so well. Uh, you know, I just try and keep up with the front of the house, uh, make sure everything's running smoothly up there. Uh, servers bar, you know, the customers are getting a great experience from the second they walk in the door to, to when they finally, uh, finish their dessert and are heading out. But the, uh, the Alvin and Gary dynamic, um, I've known you both for a pretty long time. I, I think I know Alvin a little bit more personally than I know you, Gary, but I know that you all have a good working relationship and I think a good personal relationship. That's the one thing about, uh, having a partner in the, in the restaurant biz, uh, somebody's got to be there. So it's one of us is at the restaurant always. If there's something going on outside for us socially, then I'll back Alvin up. If I've got something going on, he's going to back me up. Uh, it's just always worked out really well. Um, you know, we, we make we both make sacrifices, like everyone in the restaurant business, that you have to. It's not a normal lifestyle. No question about that. And my you know, my family makes has made sacrifices. I know Alvin's has as well. When you're trying to please so much of the public on when it would be normally a, a time that when they're out and about either on they're having a great weekend, their, their time off. Um, that's when we work the hardest and, uh, we both strive to make their experience the best. And Alvin's is back of the house and I'm front of the house and it just, it's, it's a, make a good duo. We have got a feast in front of us now. Yeah. I, I let out to my, um, chefs that, that we were, meeting at, at noon and and they're trying to impress us and they've brought burrata and figs which i just i wolf mine down while gary was talking and and they've brought this um clam poutine kind of thing and i had that for dinner last night it's really good gotta invite back invite gary back more often <laughs> yeah <laughs> food doesn't come out like this normally no so. it doesn't it doesn't it, i think maybe they one of these guys maybe worked, Gary fired him in the past and they're trying to prove something. <laughs> it does look amazing. I'm about to taste the, uh, the fig and burrata. So Gary, at this time of the year, normally we're um, just gearing up and getting ready to do one of our big catering jobs of the year, which is catering the uh, VIP section for the American Music Festival. This is not going to happen this year, or I, I hear it may, may happen virtually. Yeah. How do you feel about that, you know, that we've, we've lost that big catering job and, and what's going on with COVID and... And how do you feel about all that? We are not the only ones uh, that are going to lose in this business. I feel just really, really bad for everybody that uh, can't experience that live music every year. It's just an amazing event, um, just the whole weekend, the whole week. But it's, I look forward to it every single year. It's my favorite catering job. You stick your toes in the sand to get to serve a few thousand people. Um, they have to experience our food on the beach, great music. And uh, now, obviously, with, with COVID and everything being done virtually, um, just people are really missing out on the full experience. It's, um, it's just heartbreaking, and but everybody's going, kind of going through the same. It's like when we, when we found out the news that they were going to do the, the concert virtually, I think we both said at the same time, can we serve food virtually? We did. Yeah, there's, there's no virtual food going on, so we, we've lost out on that business. But hopefully, it'll, it'll come back next year. Hopefully so. It's uh, everybody's praying for uh, for recovery, and everybody's praying for things to get back to normal as normal as they can after all this. What do you think is going to happen with our with our business, the state of our business? Gosh, it's it's tough right now. I mean, we see it. It's everybody, the people who are coming out, 
that are willing to come out. Um, a lot of these folks just want to be outside. They, they want to be in the fresh air and still socially distant and they're coming in. But then, you know, as the, uh, as the cooler weather comes in, it's going to be a lot tougher for us to accommodate these folks. I don't know. We'll sit and we'll see if people are willing, more willing to come inside, do some more inside dining. Uh, we're still socially distanced. We're doing everything we can. We're masked up, we're gloved up, or we're following all the rules, but it's, it's in people's mindset right now. It's just, it's tough to, to overcome that, that, that fear of the, of COVID. How are you planning on attacking the, the winter months coming, Brady? I'm thinking that people, you know, when you go to Colorado, place like that to a ski resort there's always a lot of outdoor dining people are just dressed for it and they sit outside and and eat and and there's snow around and people outside just like they're outside here in the summertime i'm thinking that maybe that will happen here i'm thinking that maybe people will start to get used to the cold and 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 be out in it a little bit more than they have in the past and you know thankfully our winters are pretty temperate i mean we we get our cold snaps but there's only really about a month of really cold weather that you're consistently uncomfortable outside. So I'm, I'm hopeful that if it continues like this, we'll be able to continue doing outdoor activities and dining and, and events. It's a good point. Maybe with some heaters and fire pits and everyone can be like snow bunnies and it might be a little new adventure. So it's a good point. Gary, you've had a lot of jobs in a lot of different places. Which has been the most fun for you? I'd have to say probably the Offshore Cafe. Again, that was uh, on the block at the Virginia Beach Oceanfront. Just a little hole in the wall. But we, I had to bartend and a DJ and also shuck oysters. And this is all going on just from a small bar at the same time. And I you know, had a, I would have a side bartender with me, Dave Pichet. He was, he was amazing. But we would we'd be serving drinks, taking care of customers. And this is pre-internet again, so we are actually had albums back there that we would have to change albums. Or when CDs came out, it was uh, you know that was that was the biggest thing going. So we could pop in CDs, but uh, so you're DJing, you're making cocktails, uh, shucking. We used to do off uh, these uh, oyster shooters, so it was a it was a lot going on there, and uh, it was it was it was a lot of fun. And at the end of the evening, all the block bars right on Atlantic, all those employees and customers, they would they would get done. And I I would not two o'clock in the morning was last call, and I was still serving till one fifty five. But everything was a shooter. You had you weren't getting a drink unless could I get a gin tonic? No, you could have a shot. Could I get a uh, vodka? No, you can get a shot. Is the is the block still going on down there? I remember when when I used to go down there years ago. It was like Hammerheads and the Edge or the Wave or something and Chicha. Yeah, is that still there's, happening? There's some different ones down there now, but it's still 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 a hot spot. Yeah, it, it just has uh, has changed a bit. Thank you, Gary, for coming on and spending this time with us on the check. We've really enjoyed speaking with you and learning more about your interaction with your partner and my friend Alvin Williams. Yeah, Gary, I appreciate you taking time away from the surf this morning to come and to come and talk with us. Well, unfortunately, there were no waves, uh, but either way, I was going to be here. Uh, I wouldn't have missed this. This was uh, I knew it was going to be enjoyable with you guys. Better than riding a big wave, huh? <laughs> <laughs> different, <laughs> different. Yeah, better in a different way. So, as uh, as ever, you can check out uh, Gary and Cobalt Grill at the Check 
podcast.com you'll be able to see past uh podcasts and transcripts and photographs and everything that we're doing so please check us out rate us five stars appreciate you listening to the podcast gary thanks again for being here we appreciate again, you. again it was my pleasure thank you gary i can't wait to see you soon at cobalt grill look forward to seeing you i'm brady and i'm alvin this is the, the check, check.